episode 162 of a pot of their own i am allison mccaig and i am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts linda Servich. hello linda hey allison and maggie wiggin hello maggie hi allison well if you thought things were bad last week they're really bad now um it's so bad the mets can always mets harder so so bad it's really true. They can always, things can always get worse. Like someone in the Slack said recently that like, this is rock bottom. And I'm no. like, no, is it? I, is oh, it? No. like, they're still in free fall. Like, like where, like you don't know where rock bottom is until like the season is over. And then you can look back and say where rock bottom was. <laughs> well, I tweeted like, remember that week in July that we all look back fondly now. And like, but like JK, that's not this week. <laughs> no, no. no um no, it's I like mean, in 2009 you can look back and be like oh it's when john niece's quadricep tore almost in half that was rock bottom for that season <laughs> yep yep or in or in 2017 where in conforto's shoulder like separated itself yep. from his body yep. when he took yep. a swing like, although it might have been before that it might have been the nationals game sorry yeah yeah no, that's probably true. that was the eight run yeah 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 the 25 yeah. to like three game that was it yeah, and that was, that's when Tennis Syndergaard tore his lat. Too. Yep, the game I was physically present at. Yeah, Ooh. sorry, Allison. <laughs> I've been to like a lot of like really backbreaking Mets Nationals games at Nats Park. Like I was at the Jared Eikhoff game too, oh. where Schwarber hit the two home runs. That game too? Yeah, I was there. I was at that one. I was at the Syndergaard lat game. I was at the Matt Harvey come like comeback that wasn't game at Nats Park when like Harvey was like we were trying to like coax Matt Harvey through the <laughs> TOS and he was just still bad. Um that game. I was at yep. that game too. Um yeah, a lot of bad ones. I mean, I've been to good ones too, don't get me wrong, but I've been to a lot of bad ones. Also, uh, Joey Lucchese's last start before he died. Uh, yeah. <laughs> before he got Tommy John surgery. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's been some bad juju around Nats Park. Um and they're going there this weekend. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> Are you going there this weekend? I I am. <laughs> no, Allison, no. no. Don't do that to yourself. I am. I'm going on at least on Saturday, if not more. The Mets will determine whether I go to other games besides Saturday. Saturday's the one I already have tickets for. You know um, what this means is that they're going to like eat it out on Saturday and then you're going to show up on Sunday and it will be the worst game you've <laughs> ever seen. Be awful. Yeah. Um, It'll be I another think 25 to two. <laughs> if, if the rotation goes as it currently is, which LOL, um, <laughs> Churv is scheduled to let that is his next scheduled start. Today so. is the anniversary from my first game back at city field after the pandemic when Churv pitched. It That's came nice. up in my Facebook memories. That's, a good That's nice. <laughs> so today is the two-year anniversary of that day. <laughs> That's a much nicer memory than I was going to say, which is piggybacking on your 25 to 2 comment. That was my birthday. Oh. <laughs> they put seeds. us in a table at Dinosaur Barbecue so I could see it on TV. No. <laughs> and I had them change it. No. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, those are the current vibes. Like that's yeah. that's what's going on right now. Um, we did say, I know you put that on for my birthday, but please turn it off now. Please Bob. turn it off. I'm so sad. Um, we had said that this was last week that when the Mets were like in in a bad way, but not quite this bad. That this was an important part of the schedule to turn things around because Max Scherzer <laughs> and Justin Verlander were coming back. They were playing not very good teams. And, and then what pers- happened? And then what happened? They proceeded to get swept by the Tigers and mm. uh, lost two out of three to the Rockies. Um, mm. And Verlander and Scherzer both pitched bad, although Scherzer pitched much worse. So, yeah, it's really, really not good. You and hope- the offense went to the crapper. Like, they got shut out by the Tigers. Yeah, didn't yeah. they score something like three runs over? In three games. In yeah. three games. And one of them, it was they actually won one nothing. 
because <laughs> yeah, Kodai Sanga pitched the only good game this week and he shut out the Rockies for six innings. And that's my guy. Listen, what did you expect the Churv to do on three days rest? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, the Churv, yeah, the Churv pitched on three days rest. So that went about as expected. Um, so, yeah, things are really bad. I mean, like, Verlander and Scherzer both pitched poorly. You you think that, like, you'd hope that they're, they're both just shaking out cobwebs and they'll settle in. I feel that way about Verlander. Like, he gave up two home, back-to-back solo homers in the first inning, and that was, like, really bad it was like oh no this is like like verlander was kind of like our last uh like scrap of sanity um and then he gave up two solo homers immediately and you were like oh shit but like it's just getting worse he didn't give up anything after that he pitched five innings gave up two runs that should be fine um by by mets current mets rotation standards that's like that's ace quality (laughs) performance they currently Um, have their worst era in franchise history yes uh it's like 5.34 or something like that they're Um, worse than the 1962 mets yep um which is saying something um yeah if this extrapolates over a full season i mean not only are the mets not gonna win the division they're not gonna make the playoffs and they're gonna be like under 500 probably and they're historically bad like they're not just bad they're historically bad correct Um, although i did forget that um the worst is actually not 62 it's 2017 i mean (laughs) and i i mean boy i totally blanked on who was even on that team (laughs) I mean, Jake I was. Yeah. yeah, Jake, but it was his worst year of his career. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, like, that was a Jose Reyes team, as I recall. It was. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's all, it was, it was all bad. Yeah. 2017 had the worst vibes, though, like, of like recent, I, I think it was the worst, like, basically the worst vibes of like the past, like, two decades, probably, of yeah. any Mets team, because the only positive thing, that was going for that team was Michael Conforto was having a great season. And then, like yeah. I said, his shoulder separated Straight from up, his body tore out of the socket. Yeah. Like on a swing, he just like collapsed to the ground. And then like that a was basic the one- standard issue baseball swing. And that oh, was the one man. good thing that we had going. And I'll never has- forget a tweet that I felt that somebody tweeted with him on the ground and it was Simba, like the horrifying yes. Simba when Mufasa was <laughs> on the ground when he was leaning up against Conforto. It, it really was like exactly like that. I was um, like, oh my God, it's so heartbreaking. Like, obviously, like, you know, intellectually, one knows that it is still early. Nothing in a baseball season is really real before Memorial Day. Um, but they are this is not good like what's happening right now it's very bad and they have time to turn it around they can still make the playoffs and they can still make the playoffs pretty easily because they're actually are they still in second place i don't remember if the marlins passed them or not anyway besides the braves the rest of the division is also performing poorly so the phillies are are in a bad way the marlins are mediocre and the nationals are as bad as we thought they were even though the mets can't beat them (laughs) um but so like you know a wild card is like well within reach in fact i think even as recently as the other day i didn't check the latest standings but even as recently as the other day the mets were still in playoff position um so (laughs) like playoffs this year are so i mean every year now are so weird it's well it's a joke it's become a joke it's kind of a joke but uh the phillies proved that all you have to do is sneak in there and anything can happen and the 2015 Um, mets proved it too exactly they won the division that year but like not for good reason. <laughs> Not because they were, you know, they were lighting the world on fire. Um, well, they did in the second half. They did. But they didn't end up with a, an impressive win total. Like, Yeah, they had 90 that. wins that year. Well, because their June was so bad. Yes. They didn't pick it up until after June the deadline. Win. They just played out of their minds for the last two months. I Mets mean, are getting June out of their system. Exactly. Yeah, that's they, what I'm saying. June is the new May or May is the new June. Yeah. Maybe maybe they'll they'll pull a fast one on us and suck early and get better. <laughs> well, in 1999, the they did go on a run in June. 
Yeah. So maybe this is like their 1999 season after they fired everybody. And then Bobby Valentine did the whole... <laughs> maybe, maybe Buck needs to come out in a fake nose and mustache. Maybe that's what needs to happen. I mean, that would certainly help the vibes. It yes. would. The vibes would be off the charts at that point. Yes. Cannot make promises about the baseball. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's too early to say that the division is over because, again, it is May 8th, but I think the Mets are seven games back now or something like that. And that the Braves obviously made up a similar deficit last year, but I don't feel like the Mets have the reverse in them. No, 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 no. So they're kind of playing for like it's it's only May 8th and we're already talking about that they're playing for a wild card spot. I mean, it could be worse. The Yankees are in last place in 10 games now. It's true. They are. Um, Which I didn't realize they were that bad. Oh, yeah. they. I mean, they're they're just as they're even more injured than the Mets. Like everyone's hurt. Like the Mets are very injured on the pitching side, but the position players have been relatively healthy outside of Omar Narvaez is the only major um, position player injury that the Mets have had so far. Although I would argue that Starling Marte is currently playing hurt. But... I would argue that too. <laughs> um, but that's another matter. Um, so on the position player side, they're pretty healthy, and like, yes, the offense has disappeared for large chunks of time. But I, I am far less concerned about the like that in the long term than I am concerned about the pitching, which is obviously a huge problem. <laughs> um, I like speaking of playing through an injury. We talked about Verlander. He looks like he's probably fine and just shaking off cobwebs. Max Scherzer is another matter. Um, he looks concerningly bad. Um, he like he's, he's lost velocity on his fastball. Well, and he's doing that thing that pitchers do, especially very good pitchers, where they're like, I'm not really that hurt. It's fine. And it's like, well, if you're not hurt, then you're bad for a different reason. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because well, that's thought- the part that we're noticing right now yeah like i thought maybe the suspension would help with that but i don't think it did yeah and like there was a new york post report today that basically said like scherzer is like trying like hell to avoid the il and it's like oh my god like just go on the il then um and then anthony DeComo followed that up and said um, I'm told Max Scherzer's scapula injury, as reported by the New York Post, is no different than the back tight- tightness he has talked about in recent weeks. He's been managing it, and a source said he came out of his last start without issue physically, focused on continuing to go forward. It's like my like my without issue physically shirt has people asking a lot of questions about my shirt type of thing. And managing an injury is not what you want to hear. Yeah, like, we're managing it is not the same thing as he's healthy. As Yeah, he's not injured. Like, so that's just really concerning. And the Mets... At this point, they don't have any other bodies to even physically put in the rotation. Which is why he's managing it, right? Because there's no alternative. Like, we like we saw Jose Buda. We saw Denny Reyes. Like, none of these things are options. We saw <laughs> David Peterson, at this point, is still not an option. He is stinking up the joint in AAA right now. Um, did, didn't he get blown out in his first AAA start? He did. And he oh. walked, like, five guys. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not a good situation. Um, and it's just, like, if in order for the Mets to turn this around... They need Scherzer and Verlander to be good. There's no alternative, and both of them. And if and I feel okay that Verlander might be fine, but I'm nervous about Scherzer. And if both, I mean, if one of them is not fine for a long period of time, then they are truly, truly screwed. <laughs> well, then yeah, they were making a whole big thing about you know no pitchers going deep into ball games and how that's taxing the bullpen. Like it is. Like, that was the problem. Like, McGill, I think, was the biggest failure this weekend because you knew Lucchese wasn't going to be able to stay long the next game, and he didn't even make it five innings. So they had to go to the bullpen early Saturday, which then caused a ripple effect for the for the rest of the weekend. It's like, come on. You couldn't even make it five innings when you knew you were going to be short the next day. Buck Walter tried his best to coax McGill through five, and he couldn't do it. Ugh. Four and two-thirds. It's so infuriating. 
and that's unacceptable. They that cannot do that. They cannot do that. And obviously Scherzer only lasted three and a third or whatever it was. Verlander, first start back, fine. Five innings, whatever. That's fine. Um, but like they cannot keep doing this. Like Kodai Senga cannot be the only guy throwing six innings. They can't keep doing it. Well, this. they purposely pulled Lucchese early, his first start, the start before, so we would pitch on three days rest. I'm like, this is what you're doing to a guy coming back from Tommy John. Is this ideal too? Yeah, I don't know. Well, they had nobody else. I mean, what are you going to do? Put David Peterson back out there? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Denny Reyes back out there? There's just like no other choice. They don't have well, any other somebody choice. Somebody arguing with me that Lucchese should have got at least six. It's like, six on three <laughs> days rest coming off Tommy John? Bro, are you trying to kill a man? Then he ends up on the IL. Then what do we do? Like, no. And it, yeah, it's it's having a huge domino effect. Um, And like, people are talking about like, oh, Buck. I mean, and I've complained about this myself. Like, Buck, Buck not understanding leverage and like putting crappy relievers in when they're only down one run or something like that. I mean, that's what happened with McGill. Like he couldn't yeah. get through five. They put in Nagosik and Nagosik gave up a two run homer. But like, here's the thing is that when your pitchers can't get through five innings, then your crappy middle relievers are going to pitch more <laughs> like this parade of middle relievers. They have like Tommy Hunter's not pitching. Well, uh, he looks cooked. Like, you know, Nagosik is only pitching. Okay. And he just got back from the IL too. So he was gone for a while. Like, Yakabonis, Brigham, like all these, all hey, this Brigham parade looked of okay. He's been okay. He, he had that one bad out outing. <laughs> he had that one bad outing, but like he's been okay. But like th- this parade of like this churn of middle relievers, like are being used very heavily for two, three innings of work, like two or three times a week, and you just can't keep doing that and expect to win ball games. And, There's like, no I- good way to run that bullpen. No, like. So- Question, do you think Jeremy Hefner should be fired? Should anybody be fired? I mean, they're at that point where, like, somebody's going to be the sacrificial lamb, I yeah. think. They're Which getting is kind it- of annoying to me, because I don't feel like there is a situation right here where someone should be, like, on the chopping block right now. I think the problems are so varied and numerous that, like... Then should Epler be fired? well he's never been my favorite dude yeah (laughs) i mean epler like there are issues with like you know there i've had my quibbles with the way epler has run things but as far as like the major moves he made like looking back at the offseason what else could he possibly have done like he built a team that should be good and it's just not like i don't know like what he could, he signed the best starting, the Mets needed pitching. He signed the best starting pitcher available in free agency. What were the alternatives to Justin Verlander? They were Jacob deGrom currently hurt. Carlos Rodon currently hurt. Like none of the other alternatives that they could have gone after are, are all of them are either hurt or bad. Chris Bassett having a terrible season. Like it, it's just I like Walker also not looking great. Yeah, Taiwan Walker having a very bad season for the Phillies. Like you look around and it's just like none of the options are good. And so the issue remains that they can't develop these guys. David Peterson looks awful. They can't develop him into what he should be. Like in 2022, we saw, though it didn't look pretty all the time, David Peterson was effective last year. Where's that guy now? Why can't you? Why can't he be consistently that guy? There has to be some flaw in the player development or the coaching there. So somebody has to be held accountable for it. That they can't develop these middle relievers or or pick a veteran up off the scrap heap and fix him and turn him into something effective. The Mets are very bad at that. Clearly, they fail to build an effective bullpen over and over, even though they pile up these non-roster invitees. They don't hit on any of them. Well, the Dominic Leone, they just got him. He seems okay. I think that was a very good pickup by the Mets. Yeah. Actually, um, Dominic Leone uh, supposedly had like eight different teams vying for his services after he opted out of his minor league contract with the Rangers. And he was a guy that 
it was kind of a surprise that he didn't get a major league deal this season. So the Mets kind of like, and I, th- I don't know why he picked the Mets. I think it was probably because he saw that the Mets bullpen was in such dire <laughs> straits. I'll get work. <laughs> yeah, I'll get work. Like exactly. Like I'll get work and I'll get work on a team that theoretically still w- is trying to win. Um, so I think that was a good pickup by the Mets. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't think the Mets pitching performance is such that someone should probably be held accountable for it, even outside of the injuries. Like, I'm not talking about like Scherzer and Verlander, like those issues like that. You can't fix that. Like they're, they're proven veterans. And if they're declining due to age, it just is what it is. But I'm talking about like Tyler McGill and David Peterson and failing to develop them into useful pitchers. Like someone should probably be held accountable for that. I don't know if it's Hefner or like, I I just don't think that firing him will do anything. Like who's going to replace him? That's what I keep saying. Like, and people are calling for Buck Showalter to be fired yeah. also. And like, yes, I've had issues with some of the decisions that he's made, but in my, like in my view, anybody who replaces Hefner or Showalter is probably going to be worse than them. And I think Buck has is beloved in the clubhouse, so I think that would just have a negative effect. On and for that matter, they do seem to really like Jeremy Hefner too. Yeah, um, and he seems to have a lot of respect in the industry. I say that as someone who does not feel entirely adept at like assessing the nuances of pitching coach skill. Um, yeah, no, it's there's it's really hard to to look at the the staff and say, well, if you swap out these guys, it should get better. Right. And this was uh, like Hefner's had the job and it's for a few years now. And this is only the first year they've been awful under him. So there's got to be some other. It can't just be on his shoulders. There has to be some other reason that either we're not seeing or we just don't know about. And, like, I'm no expert in, like, pitching development either, but, like, there are certain glaring things that, like, even someone who doesn't know the ins and outs of pitching development and pitch design can understand that the Mets are doing badly. Like, David Capobianco wrote a piece uh, last month for Amazing Avenue, about a month ago now, um, that David Peterson is not throwing his slider enough and throwing his fastball too much. And like, that is obvious. Like David Peterson's best pitch is his slider. If you just watch him pitch or read any scouting report or read like any article about David Peterson from people who know what they're talking about, they will say that his slider is far and away his best pitch and he gets results with it. Swings and misses like high riff with rates on his slider, but he throws his fastball like, all the time and it gets absolutely tattooed and simply just throw your better pitch more like that seems like a fundamental failure of development the Mets coaching staff like it seems like it should be an obvious thing that he shouldn't be throwing his fastball all the time when it keeps getting hammered he's not maximizing his repertoire of pitches that he has well, then they also said that about Drew Smith, too, that he had been in the organization for how long? And then it took Justin Verlander to tell him, throw your fastball high in the zone. And he was like, oh, that works. Like, And Drew Smith's having a pretty good season. <laughs> like, you know. How does nobody else see this? <laughs> like, I mean, pretty good by Mets pitching standards, which is to say, say he's been like- yeah. <laughs> We're grading on a curve. Um, Not as good as Buck thinks. Not as good as Buck thinks, yeah. Um, but like we we almost come like full circle on Drew Smith to the point where it's like I, I I said on this very podcast he probably shouldn't be used in high leverage and that's true. But like, there's but- no one else I trust more than him besides Ottavino and Robertson. Well, and <laughs> Ottavino blowing that game really hurt too. <laughs> yeah, it did. That was not good. I mean, like Ottavino's been fine, but he's he good. he's human. He's gonna have the occasional bad outing, uh, and like. All of this is happening, and the Mets have such a bad, like, overall staff ERA, while David Robertson has a 0.68 ERA. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. David Robertson has been elite, like, literally as good as Edwin Diaz, results-wise. Like, you know, he's he, it doesn't look as flashy because he doesn't strike out as many guys as Edwin Diaz, and his pitches are not, like, quite as fancy. They are nasty, though. 
But like, David Robertson's been just as good as as Edwin Diaz, and the bullpen is still bad. (laughs) And it's because the starters aren't going deep enough into games. If you can, if you can, like, if your starters can go six innings regularly, and you can mix up your seventh inning with some combination of like Drew Smith and all and like Tommy Hunter sometimes when the score is like you know lopsided or like you know whatever Yakabonis whomever Nagosik and then you know throw Ottavino and Robertson then suddenly things look a lot better but instead like twice a week you have Nagosik throwing two innings three innings you have Yakabonis throwing two or three innings you have Tommy Hunter throwing two or three innings so you have like the bulk of your innings are relief innings are being thrown by pitchers who aren't very good (laughs) (laughs) and it's tough because it puts them so like these games so far out of reach like even if even if the Mets could score more than zero runs in a game and you know even if the you know maybe they had a chance of coming back you've got your starters leaving early and usually giving up a number of runs on the way and then just the bullpen immediately puts it totally out of reach yeah it sucks like i feel like the perfect example of this was the was the the game that they lost in the monday doubleheader the braves um the braves game yeah. when denny reyes gave up a bunch of runs early and you thought it was over like he gave up two home runs and it was like six to one or whatever in the second inning and you were like well this game is mega over the Mets clawed back into the game and then Jeff Brigham gave up three more runs and and it and they lost nine to eight and you're like well (laughs) if the if the the bullpen hadn't poured gasoline on the fire they actually might have won that game despite the fact that Denny Reyes gave up five runs in the first inning what happened Sunday, too? Um, Jacobonis and Hunter gave up, like, seven runs in one inning. Yep. So it's oh. like, this is just, like, not a recipe for success, obviously. Goes without saying. Um, yeah. So, like, what are they going to do when they start playing a good team? Well, now the Mets aren't a good team. They're below 500. They're with these bad teams. This is the company you're keeping now. Like, so these are like their peer teams now. Yeah. I mean, we're still like, they, they failed at taking advantage of the early part of the bad stretch of the schedule with the Tigers and the Rockies, but they still have the Reds and the Nationals again. They can still try to win. I know they can't beat the Nationals, but they, they get another shot at them. (laughs) Like, come on. They can try to beat the Nationals. Prove you aren't totally hopeless, please. <laughs> um, then the Mets are like, nah. <laughs> Hold my beer. Well, at least Beatty looks okay. Right. I think that the biggest bright spot right now, to be honest, is that Beatty and Alvarez look like Major League Baseball players. Yeah, That's Alvarez is finally is. coming around. And I like the way he catches, too. Yeah, like, it's been, it's, it's been funny to watch Alvarez because, like, as someone who's like not, you know, like plugged it, obviously I I knew who Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez were before they came up last year because they were the Mets' two best prospects by a lot. But as someone who doesn't like pay attention to prospects all that closely, like you just know what people are saying about them. And like Francisco Alvarez, like what everyone kept saying over and over is that he's going to hit and his defense is the questionable part, but he's actually played excellent catcher defense yeah. and his bat was yeah. slow to get going. Um, but it seems like he is finally emerging from the growing pains a little bit with the bat. He had a good week this week with the bat. Um, he's hit a couple balls really hard. He just missed a homer by like three feet the other day. Um, yeah, he looks, he looks legit. Um, and, and he's, he's got the starting catching job by default because even with his, his overall numbers with the bat are still bad because he slumped so hard initially, but um, it's still better than Tomas Nito, who oh, has actually looked poor in every respect. Um, yeah, what happened to Nito, man? I mean, because again, we, we knew he couldn't hit, but defensively, he just tanked too. He's looked worse I, than Alvarez defensively. Yes. Which I think been... the less playing time will be good for him. I think he's I still, so. I think like the adjustment, the like switch over to Alvarez getting more time has been fairly recent. Um, but I think a couple more weeks of Nito playing like twice a week, maybe three times, um, that should do him a lot of good. And I don't know what they're going to do when 
Omar Narvaez comes back because you cannot send if if the situation is what it like remains what it is now you cannot get rid of Alvarez like you can't send him down in well, favor just, of Nito they transferred him to the 60 day IL so I don't know if we're gonna I mean worry he's been out him. almost 60 days already oh true like, they're all like take your time oh yeah. no problem I'm feeling better and better take all the time <laughs> don't rush it we want to make sure you're healthy how's your family are you getting enough time with them <laughs> yeah right like yeah they needed to move him to the 60 day because they needed to make room on the roster for Leon when they added him to the 40 man um but and meanwhile Tim Locastro is on like a sham rehab assignment like how long are they going to drag that out like, Until another pitcher gets hurt. At some point, you have to. <laughs> at some point, you have to DFA Tim Locastro. I'm sorry, New York Mets. I, you, I'm. I'm sure he will clear waivers. It'll be fine. <laughs> like they're so terrified to DFA guys. They really are. Like that's why all these relievers like stay on the t- don't churn as fast as they should be because they just keep optioning John Curtis over and over. My poor guy, John Curtis, they keep optioning him over and over. Not that he's like, been lighting the world on fire when he's been up, but like they keep optioning him over and over because they don't want to like DFA Tommy Hunter as much as I love Tommy Hunter. He's not, I know. Very good. So he's like, not the guy you should be playing like, roster maneuvers to try to keep around exactly but but and yet his back i'm sure will act up again soon (laughs) (laughs) when they need a roster spot (laughs) like these are the guys you're doing roster manipulation for it's kind of wild um but yeah i mean Beatty and alvarez are pretty much the bright spot right now like Beatty looks like a legit above average everyday regular which is great like that's awesome like we had said at the beginning of the season, like we hope that Brett Beatty makes us shut up about Carlos Correa. And so far, like he's outperformed Carlos Correa. So, yeah. Remember when Brett Beatty started the season in AAA? Remember that? that remember was that? so weird. Really weird. Whose idea um, was that? Oh. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I've seen lots of people uh, clamoring for Vientos and Mauricio and on one hand, like, I don't think either of those two are ready. But on the other hand, like, what they don't have much to lose at this point. <laughs> yeah. So, like, shaking things up might be warranted. And also, especially with Vientos, like, Mauricio is still really, really young. And, like, st- I think still has some seasoning to do. But, but like, Vientos kind of has, like, nothing left to prove at AAA. Like, he... he like is repeating the level and so like i don't know they might have to bring him up but if they do like there's not really they they would probably have to dfa eduardo escobar and i don't think they're gonna do that but escobar has basically no role on this team anymore yeah it's a pretty odd fit but at the same time i feel like vientos's long-term prospects seem like maybe not here yeah, and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they did sort of want to kind of protect him a little bit and not um, expose him too much and try to see if they can flip him for something at the deadline. Yeah. I don't know what he'll get. They need another team. Seems <laughs> unlikely. Yeah, I mean, they can't get a reliever. Yeah, but I mean, uh, we're at the point with Eduardo Escobar where like Buck isn't even pinch hitting him for Vogelbach against you know like against a lefty, which is like that if you're if you aren't pinch hitting escobar in that spot like for vogelbach like why that's is he a, on the that team? to me is a buck problem yeah that yeah. is a like, problem yeah it's true i mean like that's I, like he was asleep at the wheel kind of moment yeah i don't know how much of that was just like him not understanding the situation and how much of it was like he doesn't have faith in escobar anymore i think it's probably a combination of both but yeah it was not like that was bad like it's kind of like Buck, what are you doing? And also, what is Escobar doing here? If like that's not the situation where he's playing, like what? Um, but yeah, that was the. But Beatty and Alvarez being good is like a small silver lining. Um, and Kodai Senga has been solid. Like he needs nine days rest between starts, apparently, which is like not good for when your rotation is what it is right now. Although to be fair, I find that highly relatable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair. <laughs> Um, and I think with Senga, it's like, you know, 
he's been fine. And I think that like if Verlander and Scherzer were doing what they should be doing, then then what Kodai Senga has done is perfectly fine. But like he is he was up until like this week, the ace of the staff, pretty much. So like that's then it starts to be like an unfair amount of spotlight on him and his performance. But like if Verlander and Scherzer can contribute like they should, then Kodai Senga just doing what he's been doing, walking a little too many guys, um, but overall mostly being fine is probably just fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Carlos Carrasco, though. We'll start a rehab assignment on Tuesday. He was de- he he was supposed to start one um, sooner than that, like this weekend, I think. Um, but it got delayed because he was he had a virus and he was very ill. <laughs> so um, that delayed his rehab. Um, and so he's going to have a rehab assignment on Tuesday. So we'll see. Carrasco might be back um, in relatively short order. Um, though now that he's been delayed so long, he might need two rehab as- rehab starts. Yeah. Unclear what the Mets will do with that. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, the only other bits of Mets news um, not related to the current major league team are two things. Um, Matt Harvey announced his retirement uh, yesterday, the other day. Um, we did a fairly lengthy Matt Harvey podcast. Um, I did one with Brian um, and Thomas for the Patreon. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can check that out. Um, so we won't belabor the Matt Harvey stuff too much on this show. Um, but yeah, it, it it was sad. It made me emotional when I saw it, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, hopefully he's in a good place too, because we know, thanks Terry Collins, that he was struggling for a while. So... Hopefully he's in a better place now. Yeah, exactly. It's Matt Harvey is one of the most important but most complicated figures of recent Mets history. Um, you know, like there I I think that like the culture in baseball has shifted a lot, um, even during the time like from the time that Harvey was like with the Mets until now. Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about it with regard to players taking IL stints for anxiety and mental health. Um, that was not even really a thing when Harvey was pitching for the Mets, um, even though there were times where he probably could have used that. Um, and his star shone so brightly um, for such a brief period, but so brightly. And he gave Mets fans some of the best memories that we will ever have. Um, and I'm very grateful to him for that. And I know he was complicated, but like he he gave the Mets everything. A- anyone who says that Matt Harvey was selfish and not a team player is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. He sacrificed his health and probably his career for the Mets in 2015. Um and I will be forever grateful to him for that. So yeah, I hope that Matt Harvey finds the peace that he needs in his retirement because he his he went through a lot in his major league career, um, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, yeah, so I wish. Well, that was- in twenty twenty three, we did get Matt Harvey against Yoana Cespedes in the World Baseball Classic. It's true. <laughs> um, well, and I also I do like that. Um, I do like that he went off on a high note because yeah. I'm sure somebody somewhere would have given him a minor league deal i mean there would be no reason not to um but he you know had that that moment with the world baseball classic and got to kind of go out on his own terms and i think for someone who has fallen as far as he has that that matters um because yeah i mean it's it's easy to kind of miss the the last chapter of harvey's career has come you know, not with the Mets. And I think it's been easy to overlook that he was addicted to painkillers. Yeah. yeah. And like he shared his painkillers with one of his best friends who died from them. Like that, like his, his downfall has, has just been so sad. And there's just so many different things going on. And like, yeah, I just to agree. I mean, peace i think is is very much what he deserves yeah 
his downfall has been so sad and so public. And I think that that is what, because, you know, I tweeted about Matt Harvey and I got a response from a a well-meaning person who made a good point who said, like, are we ignoring the role he played in Tyler Skaggs' death? And I replied, absolutely not. I'm not ignoring it. But the thing that a lot of other people suffering from mental illness and addiction have the luxury of the Matt Harvey does not is the ability to deal with those issues in private. Matt Harvey did not get that luxury. So every, the worst of him is out there for everyone to see. Um, And that that's hard. I like, I am sure, I am sure he, he does, he, he does not. I'm sure he feels guilt over it is what I'll say. Um, That makes me question also like, Going on the IL for mental health reasons is good, but should that always be disclosed? Because then you come back and you have to answer questions about it. So there has to be some way where, I mean, if they want to talk about it, that's great. If they want to talk about like their struggles and stuff and, you know, make, give, make it a learning opportunity, that's great, but that may not work for everybody. So I wonder if there's a way they can phrase it so that it's not always going to be so public. Right. And I mean, Terry Collins outed Matt Harvey's mental health struggles publicly. We talked about it on this podcast at the time, how terrible that was um, and how he had absolutely no right to be doing that. To be fair, there are also some non-mental illnesses that there should be more. um, Oh, uh, there should be more like, um, options for uh offering some amount of confidential point i understand like it's part of the deal all the players sign up for it but it feels like something that could be better yeah i agree i mean yeah. matt harvey himself went through that and had the new york media making pee jokes about mm-hmm. his bladder condition <laughs> and it would be nice to you know, just deal with your mental, uh, deal with your uh, health crisis and not have to deal with the papers making pee jokes about it. That'd be cool. Or just go the way of hockey and just say upper body injury or lower body injury and just that's it. You never, it's a great mystery beyond that classification of what's wrong. Oh my God. The way that baseball fans would freak out if you <laughs> just had a pitcher with an upper body injury. <laughs> Like, please. Could literally be anything. It could be a toothache for all you know. Yeah. I like, I, I, I agree that there, there should be more options, but uh, the way people will, would freak out if that's the way baseball dealt with it. I can't imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, we wish the best for Matt Harvey, um, in his retirement. Um, the other uh, last bit of Mets news that we have is that the Mets uh, released Khalil Lee. Finally. Finally. Um, so they, I mean, they had like DFA'd him and then he rejoined like uh, the Mets on tri- in AAA Syracuse, but now they outright released him. So he's not on the Mets anymore um, in any capacity. Um, I think that this had to do with the timing of the investigation into his uh, domestic violence accusation. Um, they probably couldn't release him while the uh, investigation is still happening, was still happening, and it's probably over now. Um, and that probably is why the timing is what it is. Um, we do not ne- yet know the outcome of that investigation, at least as far as I know. I haven't seen anything about the actual outcome of the investigation publicly. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk about it once and if we find out anything. It's possible we never will. Um, He wasn't a very high-profile player, so we might not find out anything. But the Mets have released him, so at least there's the The bare minimum. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, The bare minimum. So the bare minimum, that's a good transition (laughs) to our baseball segment this week. Uh, where we continue our um, I took the form of a 45-year-old white man for a reason I can only fail up regular segment. Um, And, you know, we have frequent flyers in this segment, and the Angels are one of them, and they're back, (laughs) baby. 
Um, so this is a it this is very a- confusing to me because because uh, one of them is the is the angels and the other is Angelos. Angelos, yeah, of the Orioles. That is, is, <laughs> yeah. So thank you for clarifying which one of the angel folks was uh, involved this time. Yes, <laughs> this is the angels, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, who have two of the, who have the two best players in baseball, by the way, <laughs> like you always forget that the two best players in baseball on the angels. And yet they are a, a sham of an organization. Um, and so the, this is an ongoing thing with the angels. We already talked about how the angels, uh, reporter for the athletic was like banned from that radio show because they only wanted positive media coverage. This is a very similar incident. Um, so this is an excerpt from also an article with The Athletic. Uh, the Athletic requested to speak with Angels hitting coach Marcus Thames. However, under a recently revised policy, the Angels allow coaches to speak to the media on a case-by-case basis. They did not permit Thames to speak to The Athletic about Anthony Rendon because the potential line of questioning was deemed too negative. Well, at least they're staying on brand. Yeah, so the Angels continue to be uh, piss poor at media relations, and we we will only let you talk to us and ask us questions if you're going to say nice things about us. (laughs) They only want nice things, but then they're making themselves look even worse. So if they want positive media coverage, they need to be working for a different baseball team. Yeah, it's like, if you want positive media coverage, you should simply like do better at baseball things like i don't know what to tell and what you. are they going to do on baseball things yeah. yeah like what are they going to do if otani leaves what what positive spin can you put on that yep mark vientos was a great centerpiece in that trade <laughs> we love mark v- he was tearing it up in triple holding a. down the hot corner in anaheim for years to come he's a slugger <laughs> Uh, so um our uh our baseball segment this week uh features two los angeles based teams uh we go uh to the national league los angeles team and talk about the dodgers who generally speaking are better at media relations and also better at playing baseball though this year they've been somewhat mediocre but they're still in first place because the NL West is actually like more of a they're trash. Also than... better at being evil. Yeah. They're just usually better at hiding it. They're <laughs> they're much better at doing crimes. And so we will uh <laughs> the the team uh, the team that brought you the crimes.xlsx spreadsheet brings you colonization. Oh god. <laughs> um no well they won't sing to. The Dodgers god. are no um a, a recent article in the Los Angeles Times, which we will link in the show notes and the tweets, et cetera, um, revealed that there that the Dodgers are building up a secret baseball academy in Uganda um, to, you know, tap that untapped market, so to speak, which strips the land of its natural resources. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is big time colonizer energy. Um, and, you know, in and of itself, it's already kind of shady that they're doing this but like you read the quotes from the article and it just keeps getting like shadier and shadier it's like it's kind of like the um it's like the memes where like you the guys making faces and it keeps getting like ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> like it's like worse and worse as it goes um but i feel like it's the kind of quotes too that could somebody could read it not really thinking like oh this feels very colonizing and then you go through it and you're like oh my god they are literally colonizing yeah, yeah. they make no like by the time you get to the end it's pretty obvious yeah so the Here's the quote that's that makes me cringe to read it. Oh and I'm my God, gonna read it's so it. bad. There's a big new emerging market, a continent with a population of 1.3 billion people, a continent with an environment where people can play the whole day. They'll be playing here even with empty stomachs. So motivated. Oh. <sighs> it's just, it's, Oh, it's the, I that's mean, it's a one of those things that you're almost glad they said it because it's because it's so um, bald faced. Yes. But yeah. at the same time, hearing it, it just makes you sick. Yep. 
like, what kind of person are you to say that? I mean, you wouldn't, like, people would not say that about workhorses. Like, people would not talk about actual animals that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, and that, and that is, that is a, that is the president of Uganda's Baseball and Softball Association, by the way, saying that. That is not, like, a member of the Dodgers, like, front office. But it does show you the environment that they're working with. Yes. And exactly. I highly doubt that folks like that are saying stuff. And the Dodgers like, now we are going to take perfectly good care of every single. No, like they're all, they're all coming at this from the same framing. Yeah. And like, we already know, like, we already know the shady dealings that not just the Dodgers, though they're the ones with the crimes spreadsheet, but like, you know, many, many organizations, like pretty much all of them, the shady dealings that they are doing in Latin America and this is just that, but in Africa, basically, they are like, we're not working to like improve things. We're just also tapping into them somewhere else. Like it's yeah. MLB remains a big time, big time colonizer energy here. Um, it's really gross. And it's like, you know, like I am not saying that like African players should not get the chance to play baseball. That is not what I'm saying. It's just there are there are more ethical ways to go about it than this, um, than to build a secret baseball academy and sign these like under the table contracts with with guys at age with with children at age like 13 or whatever, um, which is you know what is going to happen because it's already happening in Latin America. Like we can we can spread uh baseball throughout the world without doing child trafficking. Yeah, oh my god. Like I promise it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> like if they thought that this uh if they thought that this uh baseball academy was on the up and up it wouldn't be secret now would it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, that's that's upsetting, and I don't think is being talked about enough. Like, I haven't really seen anybody. I've seen a few people tweeting about it, but I haven't really seen this article. Did not really catch on in any mainstream publication. Like, the Los Angeles Times wrote about it, but I didn't see like the Athletic pick it up or ESPN or any national organizations pick it up. So, well, and who knows? Like, they're just the ones, like what what don't we know we don't know what we don't know like are there other teams doing this that we just don't know about i'm sure it's possible it is possible but yeah it's it's not the best doesn't make you feel good and it's i mean it's the area too that has been subject to so many people coming in and because i think there's also going to be like well these countries don't have the infrastructure or the finances to support you know, baseball or something. And that's, that is just an argument that comes up with in so many regards, like they can't build their own hospitals. We have to have the Mormons do it or this and that. And it's all about coming in and making the changes that you want to see for your life, taking things out if they are valuable to you, whether it's diamonds or people and, um, and not doing anything to build up the, infrastructure around you to give people ownership of their lives and their resources it's it's just a completely kind of one-sided at best um you know at at best kind of condescending almost but really it's just it's just exploitative yeah um we will uh we don't want to end the show on that note so no, sorry. we will we will <laughs> then talk about uh, a a bit of good news this week um which is that i mean this is a while ago now this is on may 3rd but uh which i guess is not that long ago that's like 5 days ago time is fake i don't it's know it's like 6 mets losses yeah I know, right <laughs> um but uh is that like the new scaramucci's like losses oh, like is that God. a structure of time <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, uh, it, on May 3rd, um, two female coaches faced off against each other for the first time in the history of, uh, high a, which is very cool. 
um, the Hillsborough Hops and the Vancouver Canadians played each other. Um, and both of those teams are coached by women. So that was a cool moment. Um, that is very cool. That is nice. Yeah. So that I'd was like to cool. see more of that. Yeah. And we will see more of that, statistically speaking. True. Statistically yeah. speaking, we will see more of that. So that's cool to see. Um, and if you stay tuned for our Mench of the Week segment for this coming week, then you will hear more about um, badass women in baseball. So um, that was a very exciting thing to see this week. Um, that deserves a shout. So heck yeah. We love we love uh, two two female coaches uh, in in the major league baseball system. <laughs> so we surely cool. do. Um, but we will end the show like we always do with walk off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk off win for this week? Um, so my walk off win is that Thomas, my eight year old, started little league. Oh, yeah. Um, he was supposed to start a month ago, but there were so many rainouts that he Aww. just started now. Um, and they weren't even like, like drizzly kind of eh, rainouts. It was like they're calling it the night before kind of rainouts. Um, so it was he was very excited. And it's just such a wonderful league. Um, four of the 10 kids on his team are girls. Um, yes. it's, it's an inclusion league. So there are all yes. kinds of kids with different abilities. Um, you know, he, Thomas is a sensitive kid and things like, you know, bright sunlight can be difficult for him for long stretches of time. So he tuckered out and like, is not gonna do a lot of fielding, at least not right away. I could tell, but, um, he's the best hitter on the team Aww. and not cause he's done it before, but just. I guess he's got good bat to ball skills. Cause I mean, and look, every child is a wonder, but um, <laughs> when they were just doing the little coach pitch, most of the kids were swinging through. Like, I think they did nine to each kid and were swinging through the majority of them. And Thomas missed one of them. Wow. And, and nice. the others were all like lasers all like to all fields. I, I was like, one of the other parents kind of looked at me like, what's that? I was, I've never had that feeling related to sports before. So it was very exciting. Um, but mostly he just loves to be there. And I think that's really, um, really great to see. And it's great that he feels like he can do something well so that, you know, when he's having a little harder time later in the afternoon, and I just say, how about we DH today? Um, that, that he feels good about that and the team feels good about having him there. So um, shout out to um, the Y in Inwood and Hudson Cliffs Baseball League. Um, if anyone is in the area and wants to know more information about Hudson Cliffs I, or the Y for that matter, they're my favorite people. Um, I will talk them up all day long. Uh, it's a little late to start the season now, but it's a really, really good group um, to support if you like baseball and live in upper Manhattan. Way to go, yeah, Thomas. Way to go Thomas. Even though Thomas. I will say um, his team is the Cardinals. Oh. Uh oh. Eh. Can we yeah. do something about the name change? Mm. At least yeah. it'll endear him to Keith Hernandez. Yeah, that's true. There you go. <laughs> There's a bright one, bright a silver lining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um. Well, I have a couple. Um, the first one was a really sweet uh, tweet. Um I follow uh, Czech baseball on Twitter ever since the World Baseball Classic. And um, they tweeted recently, the Japanese are the best baseball fans in the world. Not only did we feel a huge amount of support from them during our premiere in the World Baseball Classic in Tokyo, we thank them so much for that. We also received a lot of gifts and letters after the tournament, which is quite touching these days. A bag of Japanese sweets rubber bracelets and thank you letters and the undying desire to help check baseball. I was like, that was just so sweet that the Japanese are being so supportive and like wanting to help them like grow their program and like wanting to see them like continue to grow. And I just thought that was really sweet that this two like totally different cultures and um just came together and found a common love of baseball. Now they're like so supportive. We saw that with Otani too, how he wore the Czech baseball hat and like all the hats sold out. 
Um, so it's, it's really sweet that that's that relationship is still continuing after the World Baseball Classic. That's the wholesome way to support growing baseball in other countries. Yes. <laughs> Doing nice things, <laughs> but not colonizing countries. Um, and my other is on Saturday, I decided to have like little crowns out for people um, to uh, for the patrons to make, for kids to make, since it was coronation Saturday. Um so I figured the kids would like get a kick out of making their own crowns. And this little girl, like then we put the coronation on TV and the lot in the lobby. So this little girl was watching it with her dad. And then uh, he was like, Oh, you know, do you know why you're making a crown? And she was like, No. And he was like, Oh, they have a new king in England. And uh, he was like, Oh, I can show you, you know, YouTube clips of like the king and queen. And then she made her crown and he was like, well, now we have to have a coronation for you. And he like did this whole thing for her and like crowned her. And it was so super sweet. Like my heart was bursting at the desk. (laughs) I was like, oh, you just made my whole day. And like her face like lit up and oh, it was so cute. So like sometimes I have the best job in the world. Like little moments like that make me so happy. Um, So I was happy that, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Charles. But I'm glad that there's you know, no human on this planet who is the biggest fan of Charles. No, <laughs> this doesn't exist. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, but I'm glad that you know something good, for at least for me, came out of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that someone else got to feel special who probably deserved it more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she absolutely did. You should have seen how hard she worked on that crown. <laughs> yeah, earned it. Um. So my walk-off win for this week is that I am trying this thing where I, like, care about other sports so that the Mets don't ruin my entire week oh, <laughs> all <no>. the time. <laughs> um, but it's it's working for this particular thing, which is that I am working – I've always been a huge soccer fan. That's always been my other sport besides baseball that I care, uh, that I care about. Um, but it's just like I've always only been into like international competition and watching the specifically the U.S. women's national team um, who are who are playing in the World Cup this summer. So I'm sure there will be many walk off wins in the future about that. Um, but in the meantime, I've been trying to get more into the NWSL, um, the women's soccer, the American women's soccer league. Um, and I um, I am becoming a spirit fan and the spirit um, won over the weekend. And they are one of only two NWSL teams who are still undefeated um, after, I think, six games. Um, they have three wins and three draws and they are in third place in the in the standings. Uh, the way the NWSL works is much like the Premier League in the sense that there's only one there's like there's not like an American League and a National League um, or like divisions or anything like that the way there is in baseball and football and things like that um, there's just one standings and the top six teams uh, advance to the playoffs and play like a tournament style where you know the top two seeds get a bye and it's just it's based on seeding um, so right now the spirit are in third position which is very exciting um, obviously it's a lot it's a long way to go a lot of season left um, the NWSL season pretty much roughly overlaps with baseball season they don't play every day so there's fewer games um, they play like once or twice a week Um but yeah, it's it's basically the same like time period of the year, basically like spring and summertime. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of soccer still left to play, but um, it was a big game uh, that they won over the weekend. They beat the San Diego Wave, who ha- who are really good, who were above them in the standings before they beat them. Um, they have Alex Morgan on their team, the San Diego Wave do, um, and a lot and a few other like really prominent uh, players. So it was just a nice it was a nice uh, game to watch, and they were on national TV. Um, so I always get really excited when women's sports are on national TV for a change. Um, they were on CBS. And wow. so I got to go to the brewery and be like, can you put on the spirit game? It's on CBS. <laughs> and you didn't have to tell them that even though they turned it on for you because it was your birthday, that you would now like them to turn it off, <laughs> which is the best way for any TV in a bar situation to end. Exactly. 
um yeah so it was it was great um and it was it was a lot of fun uh and i was we were uh we went to other half um a brewery which is originally based in new york but they have a dc tasting room as well so that was a nice way to spend my saturday was getting to watch the spirit win three nothing so that was fun or three to one final score they were winning three nothing in the wave kind of scored a last minute it was like that pete solo homer in the ninth kind of like that (laughs) um so yeah that was that that was just nice and i'm enjoying like getting really into the spirit and having another thing to distract me when the mets are being the mets um so that does it for the show this week. Um, you can go to homerunapplesauce.com to find all of our fantastic shows. You can support our work by going to patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce. Like I said, we have a bonus pod for our patrons um, about Matt Harvey. So you should you should subscribe, become a Patreon supporter so you can check that out um, and get access to our Discord and all sorts of other fine goodies. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, just search Homer and Applesauce. You can find us right there. We are proudly part of the Fans First Sports Network. You can follow Home Run Applesauce on Twitter and Instagram at HR Applesauce. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own and also on Instagram and on TikTok at the same handle. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Cerovich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there's no crying in